Welcome to the Winning Shuffle, the ICT fan podcast. The podcast that has bought a new sofa, is packing its fridge with scotch pies and shouting Bulgarian names out the window at the neighbours. In this pod, we take a look back at the first few games of the season, get the inside story from new Cali Thistle signing Wallace Duffy, take a look forward to November's online action, speak to an Air United fan, add to the ranks of the Nightmare 11, dip our hands into our sweaty mailbag and competition time. All that and 26 years worth of Cali Thistle references packed in an hour or so of wild conjecture and mild distraction. And actual football to talk about. Let's crack on. What did Tarzan see when he found his screwdriver? Welcome one and all. After 213 days, football has returned. And it has returned with a triumphant herald of ridiculous handballs, nil-nil draws, pointless penalties, and more ripped and bloody hamstrings than Duncan Fraser's The Butchers. I'm Dr Andrew Moffat, and joining me on our medical rounds as we surgically pick through the broken Cali Thistle bodies strewn across the Somme-like turf are Dr Bruce Banner, Stephen Riley, hello. Hey then. Uh, Dr Peter Venkman, Ross McKenzie, hello. All right. Uh, Dr Fraser Crane, Andrew Young, hello. Hello. And, and uh, Dr Sheldon Cooper, Andrew Sutherland, hey then. <laughs> All right, I, I, I wasn't too bad, actually. I was expecting worse. All right. Uh, so, doctors, doctors, um, if you will, Highland Highlight, you've got, the, you've got the Cali Thistle body on your operating table. You're picking through the intestines of the season so far. What's been the most impressive organ to date? So, uh, For me, it would probably be um, getting to see some of the talented youngsters at the team um, getting a bit more first-team football. Robertson's talked in the past about how Players at Harper, McGregor, Mackay, you're all showing a lot of promise. So to actually see them in the first team um, a lot more than usual um, has been really good to see. And so far, I think they've all been pretty decent. And hopefully they'll improve even more as the season goes on. Ross? The highlight of the season so far, and I realise this is clutching at straws, is the first half at Nairn. Um, when we played what was very much a front four of Shane... Um, Miles Story, James Keatings and Dan McKay on the left and we were feeding the ball out wide more effectively to Shane who was then cutting it back Keatings was playing off a story he was spinning there was wee interplay in between them and you kind of thought okay I can see I can see a front line emerging here um, so hang on hang on in there in a couple of months hopefully we'll be playing you know with uh, with that kind of system and with those players back fit again we have a lot of highlights so far hopefully the highlights still to come but so far yeah young guys in the team local guys and get a chance which is always good to see Fraser. Yeah, mine was uh, 39 minutes into the live stream of the air game when uh, the commentator ducked out for a shite and gave us a <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mine was uh, well obviously Todd was two goals but mine was uh, my first ever homemade pie in a roll got, got a very strange look from my wife in the kitchen um, but other than that probably the probably the quality of Dunfermline's coverage on Dunfermline TV um, which we'll talk about later on right so coming up next we look at games against the Jammy Jambos Compact Cowden, Set Piece Pars and All Square with Air you got no solo rubber bumpers Right, let's cast our eyes over the last four games and discuss the latest Inverness iteration 
Robo 2.0, if you will. It hurts away to, to start with. League Cup was a, a 1-0 loss. The first game of the season, nobody is there. Surreal, to say the least. And Instead, we're all rushing to our sofas like the opening credits of The Simpsons. What's, uh, what's the, the Homer Doe moment here? Is it, is it Toddy's misses or is it the ref giving the penalty sub? Uh, before the game, I was expecting us to get absolutely pumped. Um, when I saw the Hearts line up, even though it was basically the reserve team, it's still pretty impressive on paper. Um, but in the end, I was maybe a little bit disappointed we weren't actually able to take something from the game. I mean, the penalty award, I think I think it's harsh, even even with the, the new rule they've got. I can maybe just about understand someone arguing in favour of giving it because Harper did kind of turn to his side and his arms were a little bit out that way. But I don't know. I, I still don't like that kind of call being given. I thought, I thought we did quite well. I was quite impressed with Story, actually. Um, someone who is often maligned by ICT fans for his performances on, on, on the wing. Um, I thought he put in a, a really good shift both on the right and the left-hand side. I think it helped Harper out a lot when he moved to the left in the second half because um, Harper was getting destroyed by... Um, what was the name of the heart swinger? Uh, Gianni. Um, so I think, yeah, ha- having Story on the left, um, he was still offering a good bit of attacking threat and he offered a lot of defensive coverage to Harper. Um, Toddy has got to score that goal at the end. Um, it was a good ball in from Story, I think it was. To miss it from that, you know, a few yards out is, is really criminal. Um, I think overall, just a little bit unlucky, maybe lacking that bit of match sharpness that perhaps, perhaps Hearts had from being in training for so much longer than we were. I think if we'd have, I think if we reflect on the game and and you know we were all excited and perhaps slightly surprised at how good we looked in the first half on the break. Um, and I think Shane was Shane Shane and and Miles Story um, both started the game really well. But I think the second half we were really under the cosh. And if we were to look back over it, I think in the cold light of day, we'd see that we conceded an awful lot of chances. Rangers yep. had a number of saves to make. There was quite a lot. Of, there was kind of pinball moments in the box. And, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you can see the problems that were to undo us at East End Park. Um, problems at the back that I think were also evident in the air game also. Um, so... Overall, the encouraging things, apart from Shane and Miles in the first half, Keatings came on and made a difference. Um, and that's the only thing he's done so far this season. I think, as the guys have said, I think Story and um, Sutherland were really impressive. I mean, you've got to remember we were one world he save away from going 1-0 up and Dan McKay's header was well saved by Gordon. I mean, great ball in as well. Um, but yeah, as Ross said, I think second half we rode our luck. Um, but I thought we'd get pumped before the game. There was a lot of positives. Toddy could have nicked a point for us, but... So the first game with no pre-season, really, I was, um, yeah, not that disappointed. Toddy, Toddy was definitely crusty the cloud <laughs> with, those, with those misses, definitely. And Robbie, Robbie Nielsen's got a bit of Ralph Wiggum about him, I think. <laughs> uh, right, on to Cowdenbeath, League Cup, 0-0 draw. Um, first home game of the season, despite a point being on offer. Still probably the most pointless penalty shootout I've ever seen. What, what did we learn from this game? We had quite a lot of chances against Cowden Beef, but you'd think with two leagues difference between us, we'd actually want to have the, their defence looking really, really stretched and kind of panicky. And I don't think they did at any point. You know, They sat pretty deep, which makes it difficult for us, obviously. But if we're not enough width, then we're more predictable. You know, Whereas if we stretch them, 
then they're constantly, you know, kind of like just wondering, you know, where the ball's going to go next or whatever. So I thought that was a bit of an issue as well. I thought the uh, injury to Story as well was really unfortunate because Story actually looked okay pre-season. You know, he was he scored a couple of goals. He looked better coming through the middle in pre-season as well. I thought, you know, and we could have like um, used him in there. And with him, you know, being injured right on the back of Shane being injured as well, you're just seeing our options kind of get fewer and fewer as it goes. Uh, you know, you know, as as we go on, you know, so. Um, I just think, you know, we want more width, we want more fluidity, we want more options up front, and instead we didn't, you know, we didn't really see that. McCarty and Vincent have come in for this one. Is that a bit of a short, short shock for, for young Harper? Harper's played one game, and he really struggled against uh, Ginelli or Ginelli or whatever he's called in, in the first half. I thought, actually, although we were under more pressure in the second half against Hearts, that he actually did better. Robbo's got to look at his options, doesn't he? He's got two left-backs here, he wants to see who's better, so why not bring... Um, McCarty in, give him a go as well, and then see you know see what you've got. You know, Harper I think looks better. I think Harper's forward. a bit better going forward, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's a lot better going forward. I think defensively, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of pressure on his shoulders this year because he's basically been given in the left back slot, but it's his to lose. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think the Cowan Beast game, he, yeah, I think he came up against some strong big boys. That um, yeah, he's got to learn his lesson quickly this year, and he can only learn from it. But yeah, I think he's got to work on his defensive aspects of his game. But going forward, looks promising and. Uh, yeah, hope he keeps up. Yeah, well, the stats for that game, I think we created about 15 chances to their one, so it's pretty obvious, you know, it's the issue of it's putting the ball away. And I think Toddy's had a very good chance second half again in, in this game, hasn't he? Yeah, and he missed again, so... <laughs> right, so the segue from uh, Toddy missing his chance against... Uh, Missing his chance against Cowden Beath to actually scoring his chance against uh, Dunfermline. It was the pars away, the first league game of the season. This this should normally be a rip-roaring day out in Fife. We would have a great laugh at Legends, good crap with pars fans. Instead, we're all bouncing off our sofas with three minutes gone instead of bouncing down three rows full of lager and scotch pies. But the first 20 minutes is definitely the best spell of the game here, Riley, isn't it? I think so, but I think we, we caught them cold. I mean, I think we scored too early. I think there's, there's they were probably guilty of that. But I was worried before this game. I think Dunfermline... I said this before the game will be above Dundee. I think they're probably they're looking at second place. But yeah, I think we caught them too early. Great goal. I mean, cracking, cracking cross. Great finish by Toddy. But yeah, we caught them too early and it showed for the rest of the game. We were on the back foot after that. That's definitely the kind of ball that I think we need to be looking to play to Todd off. I mean, we, you know, we're not wanting to like single him out as, you know, you know, he's the reason that we're, we've not started the season well by any stretch of the imagination. You know, play to the guy's strengths. And, you know, clearly him trying to win high balls with his back to goal, it's not something that he doesn't He doesn't look like he's overly good at doing. What he does look like he's quite good at doing is attacking crosses in from wide areas like that ball that Danny McKay put in for him. So why not try and get more of that kind of service to the guy? Because he finished it really, really well. I don't think that ball comes off very often. It's a very early ball. It's really well placed mm-hmm. on the six-yard line, but there's almost no pace on it. Watson should really take that. I do think that's catching a team cold at the very start of a game. Um, in, in most circumstances, that doesn't beat the, the the defender. Should should really clear that if he's sharp enough. Um, what what Moff said about uh, you know the t- first twenty minutes being decent. I looked back at this closely, and I think we could well have been three nil down after or three one down after. After the first twenty minutes, so, so it was. It was probably you know it's a, a below. It was a below par performance. Oh, 
Um, but well, just want to add here, Moff, that we had what we did have, and especially in the first half, was a couple of really good spells of possession where we circulated the ball right around the park. Welsh, Welsh, and Allardyce, yeah. Vincent, when he had to come on, really comfortable on the ball. Roddy also, you know, and they were circling it around the pitch. But actually, you know, on, on further analysis, it was pretty sterile. That's what I wanted to mention about Allardyce. I think he's obviously he's not going to set the set the world on, on fire, but he's actually had the he's actually had a pretty good start. He's actually been very, he's been composed on the ball. He's actually very good at winning position, uh, possession back. Uh, he's and he's probably one of he's probably the most unheralded uh, of all the signings. You know, not really having much of a pedigree, but I think it's his argument to say he's been the best best performer of them so far. Sub, do you know? He's been pretty consistent. He's. Um, he seemed to spend a fair bit of the Dunfermline game, I think, just kind of like sitting in front of the back four and just um, you know, just trying to protect it as much as he could. Um, he was able to uh, recycle possession pretty well, just strike, uh, sorry, um, stroke the ball, sorry, um, from left to right. Yeah, I mean, picking up on what you were saying about Allardyce, I was going to say that about the Hearts game. I was impressed by him from the start there as well. Just seemed to know what he should be doing. He kind of kept his position really well. He didn't look kind of um, two-faced, you know, he used the ball well. He had Welsh alongside him, but he knew what he was doing. And in the Dunfermline game, again, you see the same sorts of thing. He very rarely does anything careless. He rarely does anything reckless. If you compare him to the player that he's sort of replaced, Charlie Carford, he immediately looks like an upgrade, you know. And I think we thought, because he was, you know, someone who'd been a Dundee United youth player or whatever, very little experience with them, he was going to come in and look kind of naive. But actually, maybe playing in the League of Ireland for a couple of years, you know, we maybe underestimate what that taught him in terms of how to play the game, you know, how to read the game, how to be composed, you know. And I think, if I'm, I'm right in saying, you know, the captain of his last team in Ireland before he actually moved back over here. Yeah, he was. He had been appointed captain. So they obviously saw something in him. They saw calmness. They saw leadership. You don't give that to anyone, no matter what level they're playing at. So I think, you know, we maybe did underestimate him and I think it's very promising. It gives Robbo a pretty hard decision when David Carson's fit again. Although yeah. Welsh is gone again, then maybe that's it. It's going to be Allardyce and Carson for the season. Who knows? Okay, so move on to the, the most recent game, uh, the air game. We're actually recording this matter of a couple of hours after the end of the match. And um, thank Christ for Nikolai Todorov because uh, I didn't, I didn't relish sitting <laughs> recording this podcast with having no points on the table and just being beaten at home in the first home game of the season. So, um, yeah, I thought perhaps it might have been a case of ghosts of yesteryear coming coming back to haunt us with Joe Chalmers, but and uh, Walsh, but he's obviously out injured. If he would have won that, that would have been the first win they would have got in Inverness in 17 years, I believe. So we were obviously pegged on for the equaliser. Who was the big standouts in that game with Eros? Well, um, the goals obviously come, uh, certainly not Todorov. I mean, to- Teflon, Toddy, again, everything just bouncing off him. I couldn't, get, I couldn't give a shit if he's scoring goals. That's true. And he's, and, and he's got a league record now of a goal every 50 minutes. Well, he's pegged, uh, on, he's pegged on for 27 league goals. Aye, aye. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, no, no, it does matter. It really does matter that nothing sticks because there's nothing to play off. Keaton's, has, Keaton's was anonymous today again. Um, as he was most of last week, mm. and he really needs somebody to play off. I feel like he probably could interact with Story. Um, but in terms of, I thought Daniel Mackay was a lot better today. Um, we saw he was very lively in the first half, cracking shot at the end of the first half from distance, yeah. but also much more involved in the play. Um, I haven't been impressed with him until today. 
Um, I thought, yeah, Allardyce was good again. The defence, obviously, we've gone to the back three. We've gone to the three big boys at the back just because of that inability to cope with crosses. And I thought, again, they looked dangerous every time they crossed the ball in. But the extra body in there just kind of helped us out in this injury crisis that we're in. Um, I thought Harper was excellent going forward at times. What, when, he, when, when he did that give and go mm-hmm. and ended up with a one-on-one with the keeper, obviously he could have been more composed, but to see him drive forward and get into that position was really encouraging. We actually had a spell at the end of the first half where we had about three chances in about five minutes, um, mm-hmm. and I was encouraged. But then second half, we've not really offered much going forward at all, and Toddy's bailed us out. Yeah, I think towards the end of the first half, we played some really good attacking football, um, really impressed with Harper. Um, and what I quite liked about both Harper and um, <clears throat> Duffy today was that one thing that always concerns me with a team that plays three at the back is if you've got the guys playing left and right side, if they get too far forward, they leave a lot of space uh, in behind them for the opposition um, attacking um, midfielders and wingers to get in and exploit. I thought both Duffy and Harper covered an enormous amount of ground, not just to get forward and support, but also to get back in and defend. So it meant that Brad McKay and um, Dees were not exposed. Um, that was a different system today. That was, that, that was, that was 3-4-3. That wasn't 3-5-2. That was 3-4-3. That was three front men essentially playing. You are playing wing-backs, but it's only two central midfielders in there. <clears throat> somewhat, somewhat of a risk. But then I think the air ostensibly play 4-4-2. So he's just saying, right, I'll match up with two central midfielders and two central midfielders. And in the previous games, you know, we were concerned about a lack of width. And today it was, it was all about width because mm-hmm. Harper's getting up and down there. Duffy, not so much on his side, to be honest. And then you've got Mackay who can hit outside channels, inside channels. and Moff, as well. Do you, think, do you think that system has a future or was it just an emergency it's definitely, measure? No, I think it's definitely got a future because you've got to be able to play different systems. How many times last season did we say that he should play a four-five-one, and he played a four-four-two. So it's 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 really really promising that they've obviously worked on this in training, albeit we haven't seen it in pre-season. And they played it today, and we've got a good result against a a, a very good team, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I agree with you absolutely um, that it looked promising. And had we started the second half, then we could have done really well because we, we finished the first half very strongly. I thought the second half we didn't come out at all. I mean, you say it was like a 3-4-3, but I felt that Dan McKay was actually playing quite deep. And I actually preferred him in there because I thought he, he did really, really well in there today in the first half. It was one little run he had, and then a lovely little kind of curved ball out to Todrov to put him through that Todrov should, should have put away. And I thought the way he used the ball throughout the first half was excellent. But for some reason, we didn't come out and do that again. But yeah, in terms of talking about it being all about the wood, you know, that did give us more, and particularly down the right. I mean, again, the second half, that didn't really happen again. But then when Lewis Hyde comes on, it's a ball from the wide right that actually gives us a goal and that's what Sub's been saying for ages he's saying you need to give the ball to Todd Roth from positions where he can actually take it and that's two goals he's had from crosses from the right right well we all we all watched the game today a lot of other people watched the game let's talk about the elephant in the room the digital ele- elephant in the room um, the the Dunfermline coverage as I said earlier was, was fantastic <laughs> and that's because uh, Dunfermline TV's been operating for you know a good a good while now they have the same people, you know, doing their, their cameras. They have they have a, a fan comment, commentator who's a fan, um, and it was really good. And they had good graphics as well, actually. Replays um, as well. Replays as well, which obviously we didn't we didn't get from from the air game today from the from the pixie lock cameras. Um, I, I presume everybody enjoyed the Dunfermline game. I enjoyed the Dunfermline coverage, apart from having to see Andy Barrowman and, and his collagen filled lips at half time. <laughs> 
<laughs> so let's let's compare and contrast um, the Dunfermline coverage to the Inverness coverage. Oh, I, oh, albeit it was the first attempt at Inverness. Can I just TV. say that on 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 the on the SPFL platform, when when I looked back when I looked back to analyse our our poor defending from crosses this morning, um, it was they were it was with a pixel lock camera that 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 I was watching it and it was fine, and the Cowden Beath uh, stream was fine as well. So it's what happened today was was a real shame, especially for people that paid a tenner and maybe not sure whether they're going to do it again in the future. Um, but I feel like it's not necessarily going to be like that because it can work. Um, that's the first time I've seen it work really badly, and it was really bad. Well, there are, there are people that were able to view the Cowden Beath game as a sort of test event, aren't there? And I believe that the coverage was quite good from the camera in that game. So presumably, you know, I don't know what the discrepancy is, is there between the coverage, sorry, the filming being pretty good from that game to it being pretty bad for the game against there. The Cowboys game was really good, actually. We, we, we watched it, but what I did say to the guys today that we did have op- the option of doing it at the Cowboys game, we had a panoramic camera as well that we could sw- switch to. And I watched most of the game in the panoramic camera, which had the whole pitch, didn't move. And it was a more realistic experience of watching the game. So I don't know if that would be an option the club put forward, but even the HD camera of the Cowboys game was night and day ahead of today's game. I mean, today's was a joke, watching the linesman's baldy head every five seconds. Um, I just don't know if it's a back-end issue, but yeah, it needs to get fixed originally because you're going you're gonna to lose a lot of pay-per-view fans that haven't committed to buying season tickets if you don't get this fixed quickly. And uh, can anyone tell me, I, just, I was racking my brains throughout the whole game, and I just, uh, can anyone tell me what team that the, uh, the air goalkeeper was on loan from? <laughs> he didn't mention it much, did he? <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned it five times. Five times, yeah, I, I counted. Um, it's you know, it's, it must be tough to do a whole game on your own. Um, quite daunting. So fair play to the chap for doing that. But, really? Uh, I think there was. I think there was. I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, I think there was. I think there was a few concerns. Was there a few? Was there a few concerns? You've got to do your homework. Uh, okay, if you're going to you've got to do your homework. And that was evident. There was not a lot of homework done before the game. Yeah, th- this is my issue. You don't want to throw a guy under the bus straight away, he said, about to do this. Um, and certainly, I know it's only one game in, and if he can get better quickly, then fine. But the danger is that if you employ someone who clearly doesn't know the team and doesn't know the level and doesn't or know, doesn't the, know players, the sport, doesn't yeah, know the well, sport. Well, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but he certainly doesn't know this level or the team. Mm. Now, for the start, he called four different players Allardyce, um, and while I understand that it was probably difficult to see that with a combination of the sun and the camera, where they were playing, for example, one of the people he called was Cammy Harper, who was in the far left of the pitch up in the corner. There was no way that other was going to be there. I got two bookings wrong. He said that whilst Duffy was booked earlier on, and then when Duffy was booked later on, he said it was Divine. He, uh, he, said, it was, uh, he said it was Daniel Divine. Daniel Divine. Yeah. It's, it's things like this. I mean, it's, if you're the supporter, you know the players by sight. And you know the players kind of um, where they should be in the park, and I didn't get any of that. Little things like you know Cameron Smith, Cameron Smith all the time playing. It's not a big thing, you know, but anyone would know that he has been one of the most prominent players at, in this level over the last few years. People would be able to recognise that. Mm-hmm. It just kind of betrayed kind of level of ignorance. My fear is that it puts people off from coming back. If it's Very much so. You know, yeah. and the club relies yeah. on that. So basically, I'm not saying that we should get rid, but what I am saying is that we need to say, and what you really, really, as Riley says, need to do your homework. You need to get to know who these players are, where they should be playing, 
um, even if it means watching videos of them on the park, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it, it did sound amateurish and it sounded like we'd gone for someone who is a broadcaster in some way, but not a football commentator. I think we should we should call the club out to an extent in this rather than maybe the individual. They've had months to prepare for this. And when it came to the afternoon of our first competitive home game, the Cowdenbeath game, it took a Twitter pile-on to get them to release a statement to say, no, we're not showing the game because it's a test event. But then we've had this situation today where the commentator's shite and the camera doesn't work. I mean, it's really, really disappointing. And I don't understand why more wasn't done to prepare for this. Um, I know that Allo have got the same Pixelot system Allo are apparently going to be getting manual control over their Pixelot tracking feed shortly. This should be something I think Inverness need to look at because um, continuously focusing on like you know the linesman's baldy bounce or a packet of crisps flying around, uh, flying around the pitch, it's not good enough. It's not good enough for people who have paid £10 for a game and it's definitely not good enough for season ticket holders who are paying even more than that over the course of a season if we end up having to stream all these games. Inverness need to get in touch with Pixelot and they need to get manual control over the feed tracking as quickly as possible. Right, well, if you're still down in the dumps listening to this, don't be. Um, you're worried about our lack of strikers. You're worried about everything else. At this point in the season three years ago, I think we had John Baird and Felicitano Zushin up front. <laughs> so, you know, a bit of context. For McDonald, up the castle, Inverness men, Weegee's hustle, Jenny Heaver, CCTV, BT's pizzas, Judith's city, Farlin Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Moggy Story, Okay, in the third of our current features, we are highly originally calling A View from the Opposition Terrace. We're joined by Ayrshire Post columnist and Air United fan Stuart Wilson to get the opposition opinion on the 1-1 draw and his thoughts on the season ahead. Welcome, Stuart Wilson. How are you doing? Hi, Andrew. Good to be on. Thanks for coming on. Uh, all square in the game today. Fair result from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, certainly the first half I thought was was very even. Um, Inverness probably had the better of the chances, you know, particularly that one early doors with Nikolai Todorov, who probably felt it was over the line. Um, and but second half I thought yeah, were, were very good. Um, you know, beginners Cameron who came on and within twenty seconds got his goal on debut. Uh, I, I felt he certainly had the better of the second half, but you know, you've got to, to see it out and. Uh, I don't think they could probably have too many complaints. You know, Inverness uh, did enough probably in that first half to, to merit a point. Do you think that you deserved the three points? You'd told her off not to score the late goal? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Mark Kerr after it will say that he feels that in the second half he, he did enough. Um, but, you know, he more than anyone will, will know you've got to got to see it out. And in that final five minutes, you know, they didn't manage to do that. Um, and, and Inverness, you know, have come up with that final final chance and, and they just haven't been able to shut the back door. But, um, no, I mean, there was a lot there to be pleased about from an air perspective. Um, in years gone by, Inverness has been a very difficult place to, to go. And I think uh, the fact that they're coming down the road tonight, you know, a bit disappointed, it says a lot about the progress, you know, that's been made under Mark Kerr. Yeah. So who, who are the standout performers today in, in, in black and white for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you've got to start with Ennis Cameron, who, you know... This is the boy that came off the bench, isn't it? Yeah, he, he only joined from Kilmarnock, which was an interesting move in itself, um, <laughs> yesterday morning. And, uh, you know, 20 seconds off the bench, and, and he's, he's come on and he's, he's stuck away his chance, you know, like a, like a seasoned pro. Um, and I just thought he was a real handful, you know, up until that point, Ayr had 
perhaps lacked that, that physical threat up front. Um, but, you know, when he came on, he, he gave Ayr that, that extra dimension. And that's what Mark Kerr spoke about yesterday when he signed him. He said he'll be able to give us something a little bit different, make us more versatile on it. And it just changed the game, I, I felt, at that point. And, and for, you know, the rest of, of that, that, that kind of second half, Ayr looked at a much bigger threat. He could have had another one um, shortly after that. So I, I really liked what I saw of him. At the back, you know, Jack Baird, the skipper, he, he's looking more and more impressive with every game. Um, and it was just a shame from his point of view that, you know, they didn't manage to see it out because I would have loved to have seen, you know, him uh, and, and, the, and the goalkeeper, Jamie Sinisal, will get a shutout today because cause I, I did think defensively it looked, it, it looked pretty good today. Yeah. Do you think there was any, any Cali Thistle players that stood out particularly for you? I know when you watch a game, you're... You're just concentrating yeah. your own team, aren't you? So. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought Todorov, um, who I mentioned before, because we weren't exactly expecting him to, to play today. You know, there'd been a bit said in the press about how, you know, the injury crisis at yeah. Um So it was maybe a bit of a surprise to see his name on the team sheet. Um, and obviously had the early chance and a couple more after that. And so I suppose he deserved his goal, um, you know, at the end there. And he was a constant threat all afternoon. Um, and, and Mark Ridgers, I thought, you know, that save that he made at the end from from Cammy Smith um, with a free kick has, you know, in the end earned Inverness a point. Yeah. What was your take on the, your, your your first experience, well, everybody's first experience of ICT TV? Yeah. Listen, um, the Inverness are obviously using the the Pixelot system, um, which is this static static camera. Which, you know, yeah. is if you're if you're going to be paying. Ten pound every week for that kind of thing. You're you're wanting uh, you're wanting to actually see the ball and play. It's clear that clubs are are, are finding their way with this. Um, Air don't use the Pixelot system. They they they've got their own sort of media team who are trying right. to yeah they're they're trying to go their own way um, and use a number of cameras rather than just the, the single camera system. Yeah. So I was going to ask you since you were at the Queen's game, what was it like? You know the experience with no fans, but you hmm. did you did have a small a small band in there with a few flares coming and Stephen Dobbins yeah. Bobby. <laughs> Indeed. Listen, fans will, will probably find any sort of way to, to get around this as we go on through every week uh, and month. Um, it's a surreal atmosphere, I'm not going to lie, Andrew. It's it's not enjoyable to sit in a ground and, and the longer we get into winter, it will become even more bleak, um, yeah. you know, when you're sitting there and, and it's, you can hear every single shout. At first, it's quite interesting, obviously, to hear what the players and the management are saying, but it, it becomes very obvious how much of just, I suppose, a business football is. It, and without the fans, it's it's, it's nothing really. Um, you need fans inside the ground. You need their passion. And last weekend, obviously, the, the, the kind of, I think it was four air fans perched above the the away end and, and managed to get a view and, and you know uh, give some banter to Dobby, which was good. But you know, we we need fans back. It's as simple as that. Your manager, Mark Kerr, we spoke a little bit about him before, but he's been in the job for about a year now. How's he been getting on? Yeah, very well. Um, he inherited a team from Ian McCall, which uh, was was free flowing. Um, had a, had big names in it in terms of, you know, like Lauren Shankland and all that, who had been playing with under McCall and had, had been playing a certain swashbuckling style um, for Air United for many years. And then uh, Mark Kerr had to come in after that, and obviously there was there was huge expectation on on the sort of style that Air United played, and it was unfair to expect that that Kerr would, would follow that. Um, so it took him maybe two, three months to sort of try and stamp his own mark on the team. Um, very difficult to do, though, when you're not able to do it with your own players. Then coronavirus happens. 
So the first 12 months have been a real nightmare for him. Um, you know, seven of those months, he's, he's not been able to play games. So this is the first real time, I think, that we can we can actually judge um, Mark Kerr. And you can see by the players that he's getting together, uh, he's got a very clear way and a vision of what, how he wants to play. And you usually play 4-4-2. Does he ever deviate mm. from that? Yeah, he does. He's very flexible, Mark Kerr. So Kerr tends to have a plan for every game. You know, he, he studies the opposition, um, you know, and he will, he will have watched Inverness this week um, and, and come up with an exact game plan today. Um, so he's he's a student of the game, Mark Kerr. I think that still comes from the fact that, he, that he's still a player, really, uh, you know. Um, and, yeah, he's very flexible. He's, he's probably played two or three systems in pre-season and, and at the start of the, the league campaign. So I think that's something we'll see going forward. You know, he set them up today to be quite difficult to beat, I thought, in the first half. They were very solid with the two banks of four. Um, but then when Ennis Cameron came on in the second half, things things were changed up a bit. And, you know, they went a bit more direct and it, it paid dividends. Who's the sort of player that would normally take the game by the scuff of the neck? And who's the player who's sort of going to propel the team forward as the season goes on? I, I think one player who's going to be massive for here, he's out injured at the moment, who you know very well, is Tom Walsh, who yeah. has looked fantastic in pre-season. And then the first couple of Betfred games, and then he, he's, he's, he's got injured um, with a recurrence of a, a hamstring uh, problem, which I believe he had um, at Inverness as well. Yeah. So the, the sooner he's back, the better, because he, he was looking really, really special in pre-season. And I think he's going to, you know, playing just off the striker, um, is going to be a big, uh, a big, big influence in what he'll do this season. Yeah, I was going to say, who's your best new signing? Obviously, you think it's Tom Walsh, but mm. having watched the Queen's highlights last week, I'm going to suggest it was... It was maybe Joe Chalmers. He's taken all mm. your dead balls, and he was he was uh, channeling the the spirit of Rolf Harris with that new haircut and beard he's got. <laughs> yeah, Mark Mark Kerr rates him very highly. Um, and when he when he signed him again, another one of these two year deals, he 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 said, you know, his his ability on the ball, the set piece delivery, he thinks he can really dictate games uh, for here, and it's something that you know they haven't again had um, for a wee while. Just someone that can sit in the middle of the park and spray the ball about, and I think Chalmers is going to be key. Uh, in doing that, and and Kerr, you know, I think he probably sees a lot of Chalmers, uh, or sorry, himself in Chalmers, because Kerr, Kerr was that type of player as well when he was playing. Kerr's not going to play week in week out or anywhere close to it, um, and and he'll need that player with that kind of calm assurance on the ball. And I think Chalmers, added to his, his set piece ability, obviously is going to be that man. Yeah, and uh, what's your thoughts on? We talked a little bit about who you thought was good for Cali today. Who, who, what's the sort of your thoughts on our style of play? Best, worst players? Do you ever mm-hmm. do you like a trip up the road yourself, be it for work or pleasure? That's, yeah, it's always a fantastic trip. I mean, historically we've not enjoyed um, you know our trips to Inverness. It's been a very tough place to to go um, over the years. I, I mean, I think Inverness are probably characterised as being maybe a bit Route One. Um, physical and it's always been something that air have struggled to get their heads around in terms of coming up against them um, I, I don't think I, I saw that so much today I mean it was evident that Inverness weren't at full strength um, you know and any team that's missing four, five, six players is, is going to be below their best and I think the longer the game went on today you could see that air were on top um, but you've, you've clearly still got classy players. It doesn't matter that you've lost the likes of Tom Walsh. You know, there's, there's clearly players of ability. And finally, predictions. Who's uh, who do you think's who do you think's going to win the league? <laughs> and who's who's, <laughs> going, who's going down? Who's going in the playoffs? Well, yeah. I mean, you have to say Hearts, don't you? Um, well, I, I suppose we have to. No? Yeah, I, I think uh, obviously on paper it, it, it would be a crime if Dundee didn't make the playoffs. But I'm not entirely convinced by. 
the whole setup there. Um, you know, obviously they took a bit of a spanking the last week at Hearts, which would set the alarm bells. And then obviously the likes of Ayr, Dunfermline, um, Inverness, you know, they, they will battle it out for the rest of the playoff places. Um, Wraith have started very well. Listen, it's going to be a strange yeah. season. There's nothing to say they can't come up and be challenging. Uh, and at the other end, you know, your usual, you know, strugglers. Aloha, again, you would expect will struggle. Queen of the South, based on what I saw last week, look a good two or three players short. And that's a very worrying result they've had today to lose five at home to, to Wraith. So uh, I think it could be a long, long season for them. Right. OK, well, thanks very much for joining us, Stuart. Um, and I hope that we can get back down to Somerset Park at some time because we had uh, we always have great away days there. Um, the, the trip there, there was one trip there last season, I think some boys used it as a stag do and uh, dressed up as Pikachu. I don't know if you... Yeah, remember I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, great, great great place to go. Along. Who is it? Who's that commentator that was on today? I, I, I described him as quirky, but... <laughs> it's, it's, it's like he's, he had um, swallowed a glossary of sporting terms but they were for the completely well, wrong wrong sport i thought so. he was trying to be like i don't know if you watch alan partridge but i thought, yeah, he, was, yeah. I thought he was trying to be like him <laughs> some of the some of the phrases he was coming out with a- accidental partridge i think they call yeah, it yeah accident yeah right, all the best for the season all right where do you want to drink well 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 we're going all in the the jolly trooper, the castle tavern, cupcakes, jocks, and dimes a gallon. The city bar, number 27. Phoenix waters, love to love. Cake exchange, and mambo's hush. Peepees, TVs, Johnny's, Riley's, Bergie's, Kilmore, Hoot, and Annie's. League look ahead. Let's cast our minds forward to the next month and the 31st of October as the spectres of last season come a-calling and the old ghoulish face of Dick Campbell and his maniacal doppelganger Pink peer through your dimpled glass as they beg for duking apples. A frightening sight indeed. Oh, I'm laughing at my own. <laughs> uh, okay, our both at home league. <laughs> Sorry. Our both at home. I just got a picture. Our both at home on the 31st of October. Uh, this is this is probably not going to be another Bobby Lynn special because he hasn't been getting a game. Um, is Dick Campbell going to be crying into his pint at the end of the game? Probably not. Um... I think unless we overcome our injury problems soon, then our squad isn't strong. Um, it's weaker than last season, and our both both beat us twice last season and really, really took us apart in one of those games. Uh, they've not lost an awful lot, um, and although it was a really bad result against Wraith, we watched them against Hearts last night, and they were really unlucky not to come away with the draw. You know, they were really neat in possession. They were dangerous to spend the box. They worked really hard. They've got a lot of impressive players. Ricky Little, really good and used the ball really well. But yeah, I, mean, I thought his use of the ball out defence and his composure there was really good. Gavin Swanky, actually, um, very, very good as well. I mean, he's been on the go for ages, you know. But again, you see that sort of game intelligence, the way he uses the ball around the box. They've got those two boys in the middle from Aberdeen, uh, Vertinen, who I'm a big fan of, and Michael Ruth, who I didn't know much about. I thought they used the ball really well as well. Really sort of composed and inventive looking, you know. Um, so I... You know, despite that result against Wraith, you know, I think they're potentially a better team than us until we get back to full strength. You know, I hope I'm wrong about that, obviously. You know, but this idea that our growth is going to be a, you know, the time for us to start really putting points on the board is probably optimistic. So the 7th of November, six games in and Scottish football is already repeating itself. Um, I'd like to think we know what Hearts will throw at us, Riley, but... Ralph Wiggum could change his entire eleven and still have a ridiculously strong team. So how does Rob approach this one? We need to be at a bros and take three points. I mean, I think that's a six-pointer next week, just where we are in the league for such a short season. But 
Yeah, I'm worried. Um, I think Hearts will be back to full strength. You'll have a, a fit. Naismith has played a few games. I watched the game last night and, yeah, I brought for unlucky not to get a point, but Hearts still win. I mean, that's the sort of games that championship teams will win and they win the league by doing that. Um, got the best goalkeeper in the league by mail, maybe, maybe one or two best goalkeeper in Scotland. Um, the only thing I think it would be in our benefit is maybe a couple of players back, but then maybe Story maybe coming back. That might be a bit too early for him. Um, maybe Shane Sutherland, but I think playing at Tyne Castle in a nice big pitch might benefit us. But uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have much hope. So I think, I think the keeping things a mystery though. I mean, after we after I spoke to him doing that best eleven, he um, he sort of spoke about how he was keen to be a number nine last season, and there was a bit of a come together with Robbo about where he should play. And obviously, we're not playing him as number nine. The last couple of games that he'd been ineffective. So, in your opinion, do you see the guy? I, I don't see him as number nine personally, but in your opinion, do you see him as a number nine through the middle? I don't. I, I, don't, I, I mean, obviously, he's a football player. He knows himself better than anybody, and he has mm-hmm. played as a number nine in the past. But you know, that was earlier in his career, and I don't know whether he's a number nine now. The only the proof is in the pudding. You know, if there's an opportunity to play him up front as a number nine, you know, and and they and we give it to him, then he has to take it. So it's a question of whether... It does look interesting in the I don't think... I mean, maybe it's just... I don't think so. It's a question of whether Robbo is actually willing to put him through the middle like that. And I think at this stage of the season where, you know, every point is a prisoner, look at where we are on the table, probably mm-hmm. not. He's been, yeah. playing as, he's been playing as high up the park as you can play him, you know, as in just off Todorov or just off Story. But he, he, can ne- he can never be the focal point of your attack in this league. I just... It might have been different when he was playing for Hearts and Hibs and they were beating teams 4-5-0. and five nil. Mm-hmm. Um, But he can't be the focal point of our attack when we're looking for out balls. He needs, to me, he needs somebody to play off. And that might be story. Um, just coming in on the injuries, because as we're previewing these games, there's a few references to if we've if we've got our players back. Quite a few of them are not coming back anytime. Yeah, soon. I know. They're, 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 they're I just realised the timeline. Yeah, he's got two months for a story. Oh, Miles two, story, two well, story, he said four one. to eight weeks. They don't know. And they said mm-hmm. the same about McHattie and the same about Toshney. So those three are not coming back anytime soon. I think Shane, Shane might be a bit closer. And Aaron Doran's back mm-hmm. in training now, but he's had no game time. So Robert was saying he would use the League Cup games and try and get a friendly next week to get Doran mm-hmm. up fit. Um, but the we players, need Doran back, yep. I think players, the two, the two that we really, really need right now are Story and Toshney, and I don't think they're coming back anytime. And I don't know. I think I think Doran would have done really well in that system today. Aye, as one of the as one of the two. Aye, he probably would have fitted quite well into that. Um, I think possibly Shane as well. Um, yeah, if definitely. we can get Doran and Shane in, then that'll 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 certainly improve. Yeah, it. Doran and Shane in that system would would, would be really good. I think that would. If, if Toshney comes in, who do who do we bring Toshney in for? Then do we go Toshney and Dee's well, in at the back? If, to be honest, see if you're playing three centre halves. You're you're looking yeah. at them, you're looking at them getting you know one of them getting an injury or a yellow card and that probably every game, so mm-hmm. it's just a it's just probably who's fit for for that um for that game to be honest. But they want to try and keep D's fit just because he's left he's left footed, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give your option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Wraith away uh, the tenth of November. This I think this was a game that we'd all had earmarked as a potential first away trip of the season. If but if memory serves me right, I think you can when you're on the train. Um, you can actually see the entire ground we're going past in the train. So if anyone yeah. wants to actually see the game, um, I'm advocating. I am advocating you go on the train, you pull the emergency handle, and you can just stand and watch the game. So there you go. Feel free to jump on ScotRail and, 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 and do that uh, at your will. Um, so I think the 
you know, their results have been the Beaties 5-2-1, they've lost the Hearts 3-1. They beat our both 3-0, and today, when we're recording this, their score was... 5-2 against Queen's So they are scoring absolutely loads. By the way, can I just come in and say that um, you're advocating for the communication cord in a train is going to anger, I can think of at least one of our supporters <laughs> who's a train driver and will be giving you a severe spanking. Um, yes, yeah, so the beacon said 5-2. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the danger man obviously looks like uh, Manny Duku, who's now got four for the season, scored another two today, didn't he? Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't really know um, exactly how we set up. I think this game's a bit of a free hit, to be honest. I think we're out. We're not, you know, we're not going to... Um, we're not going to go through in the League Cup groups. You know, I'd rather the players actually got to know the opposition before the league game, you know. I'd also quite like to see us continue with what, the way we played today, play the 3-5-2 and see if that's going to work. Well, I, think, I think for Wraith Rovers, and, and it shows in the past season with Livingston and, and Ayr, you get that second season bounce from winning the league. I mean, Livingston done it back-to-back. Ayr, when they first came up the first season, finishing the playoffs. And, yeah, we spoke about this last month. Wraith will be fine. They'll be mid to... Top end of the table. I don't see them being in any danger this year. And yeah, six season bounce. Okay, well, we'll move on to East Fife at home again in the League Cup, 14th of November. Uh, at this stage, no no one's really given a shit about this, are they? This is a game for the young boys, getting the first teamers who've been injured back up to speed, giving Welsh and Keatings a rest, isn't it? Yeah, treat us as an Oscar Scotland Cup tie. Just get the young boys out, yeah. get the boys back from injury, and, and we move on to the league. There's You're looking at a possible scenario where you know, we lose uh, to Hearts. We possibly, possibly don't get anything out of the Arbroath game. Maybe a point. We possibly say that Wraith's a dead rubber. East Fife's a dead rubber. We could possibly be looking at having played a number of games and not got a win yet. And that's, that's remarkably similar to, I think, our first season in this division. Don't know if anyone can recall back then. Um, that's when Robbo was getting people from YouTube, wasn't it? Like Big Susan and <laughs> uh, the boy Seedorf at right back. We were getting some really yeah, exactly. weird players. I mean, we, we've got a much better squad than we did then, but I think we started that season with we had a 0 0 against Sterling Albion. We lost 2 0 to Falkirk. We lost to United. We got pumped away to Dunfermline, which is again we've done. It took us, looking at the stats, it took us 10 league games in that season before we actually started properly. So I think there's enough in the squad we've got now to suggest that that isn't going to happen. But if it did, are we better set up this season than we were? Because, I mean, at one point in that first season in the league, we were actually worried about, some people worried about going down again. So can you foresee a scenario where that starts being on people's minds, anyone? Yes, you're going to run like yeah. that on, in a 27-game season. It counts, you know, it counts for 25% more, if you like, um, because um, there's less time to recover from it. And the season you're referring to, I think you're referring to Robbo's first season back in charge, um, we we went on this winning run from March onwards or whatever and won, what, nine out of our last ten games or something like that. We don't have March onwards, just pretend that doesn't exist. Where were we when we started on that run? That's where we could be. Mm. Um, we think about the kind of teams that you'd think would keep us safe. Aloha, Queen of the South and Morton. Are we confident that we're better than those three? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been just kind of like following on from what you know Ross and Riley said there, and also just kind of going back to our. Um, I think it might be maybe our, our very first episode. Ross did like some stats, kind of what they were about how we are generally quite slow starters, um, regardless of what league we're in. Um, you know, to have that kind of you know historical slow start to league campaign is going to be really difficult to overcome. Um, but hopefully, once we get the guys back from injury. 
And once we get, you know, guys like Doran back up to full fitness again, hopefully we'll be in a better place. What place that will be, I don't know, admittedly. But, um, yeah, we, we, we need to do as much as we can right now with what we've got available um, to hopefully take advantage of when we have the rest of our first-teamers back yeah. in the team. Do you think, but do you think that these young players, do you think this is a season for them, for them to grow? Yeah. So, essentially, yeah. what we're looking at the season is, I know we talk about, uh, you know, Robbo talks about it, all the new signings talk about it, we're, we're going to challenge Hearts, we're aiming for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. The reti- that's the rhetoric that comes out of Calvin yeah. Didion, right? But do you think behind closed doors, it's actually, this is a season about building the young players up, getting these, having brought these signings in, bedding them in, and then just trying to build this season quietly. And then the season after, hopefully when we get fans back in the ground and that, then we can start motoring on. Yeah, absolutely. Because they are getting the opportunity at the moment to play together. I mean, three or five of them have played already at lower levels are now in the same team together. This league is cutthroat at the best of times. Remember the season, you know, that Falkirk went down, the difference between fifth and ninth was absolutely nothing. You'd think if it goes tight again between, you'd assume between second and ninth or something like that, then in a shortened season, that's a lot of pressure for these young boys. And they're not, they're not 20, 21, they're 18. They're all 18. I know, but it's not just about the young boys. Sorry, I don't know the other thing I was going to say actually is that in a way, we want these guys to do well, to grow, to start looking confident in the team. We don't want like one of them to suddenly be our saviour because then he'll be gone at the end of the season. He'll yeah. get a bed from like Bloody County or something like that. So actually, if we've got a season where we are seeing a team that is finishing maybe about fourth or fifth or something like that, it does okay, but there's real strength there and they've got that experience, then the following season we really could push on. It feels yeah. like there's been a pretty serious recalibration of our expectations for this season. I mean, are we saying here that if we finish fifth or sixth and don't really make a challenge for the playoffs, we're happy with that or we accept that? It's I, think, I, think, I think the better both. I think there's what Scott Gardner and what Robbo were saying, but I think it was boys saying there's a strategy behind the signings now. They've all got a template and yes. a mould of being yeah. at bigger clubs and maybe fell by the wayside and they've still got a lot of time and we could maybe sell them on. Whereas that first season under Robbo, it was, I mean, it was supermarket sweep. You were just taking anyone you could get because they didn't have time. But... And the flip side, I think it's great having young, hungry players. But as I think Ross said about this league, it's cutthroat. You need a little bit of a bit of dirty in there, a little bit of someone that knows the league. And having maybe one or two players around these young, promising players could help us. And I think we miss a wee bit of leadership. I know we've got Sean Welsh, who's well, he's obviously injured, but I think we need maybe one more voice in that team. But the template is, and I think that's what will always be: is signing young players who. Need a chance. Okay, we've talked a lot about the young players. Let's actually have a chat with one. Um, last season, like every defender in the league and Lauren Shankland, we couldn't get near the first team. We couldn't get a sniff of a Cali Thistle player. Uh, and now they can't wait to uh, sit down and get shuffling. Um, so here's a chat with a guy who is a youth, as a youth player, crossed the Glasgow Divide and as a senior player has now traversed the Cairngorms to become our new number two. Wallace Duffy. Welcome to Cali Thistle Wallace. Um, how are you getting settled into things, all things ICT? I'm, I'm loving it so far up here. Um, settled in reasonably well, straight into the flat. I didn't have a lot of time to, to think about it. It was just on the day, came up, straight in with Deasy, and then that's just been it so far. How, um, how long before the move did you know you were moving? Was there, a, was there interest from us in the past? Because obviously we'd been interested in Robbie... In January, that never happened. Was there maybe a link with the club before we signed you, or was it pretty much out the blue and, and up you came? No, it was out the blue. It was within about a couple of days. Just 
kind of things were happening in the background and then just one day I got a phone call saying are you interested? He says they, they want to take you up and I just said aye I said 100% um, I thought it would be one of the, the better moves in my career um, and I was excited so when he said it I just I get all the details and then when, when we did that then it was just a case of just getting up the road and then and then go from there but out and about, I suppose, I mean, you said before we started recording that you enjoy the area and stuff, and I think it's a nice area you're in at the moment. But how have you been on you know, with other guys in the team? Um, have they been welcoming to you? Any any sort of induction songs or any tasks you've had to do? And uh, have you sort of struck up a relationship with anyone to join? And obviously, excluding Robbie, who you, you know from your past. Um, I've not had to do my wee induction yet. I've not had to do that. Potentially, I think they've said about it, but I might have slipped their mind. So hopefully, they're not. What's the song? Have you got a song in mind? I'm saving it. I can't say yeah. I'm saving it. It's right. a bigger. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But um, nah, the boys have been good to me in that. Before I, I came up on the Saturday, and I think I was signing the Monday, um, and I think even on the Saturday or the, or the Sunday, the boys were asking for my number to go out and just grab a coffee or whatnot, just to because obviously everyone's local and that, so they wanted mm. to just take me out and they. Uh, Showing a bit about Inverness before I'd even signed, so that just shows you. So far, we've seen you obviously at the time of recording. You've probably you played three games, I think. So you've been in the thick of it, three yeah. League Cup games. Um, you've been playing it right back, but I believe, believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, well, I think in the past you played centre half as well. I see he's right back, but do you see that being your normal role, or would you consider playing in the middle? What's, what's your go to position? Um, I mean, I've always been a fan of centre half more than right back, okay. but as time goes on, there's more and more people saying, you're a better right back, you're a right back. Um, we think that's the best position for you and whatnot. So, I mean, I probably enjoy centre half more, but I'm not against playing right back at all. Mm-hmm. And I'll do my best at right back. And if people think that I'm better there, then they must have different views that I've just got to respect. You're doing something right, mate. No, I agree. So, for all intents and purposes, we'll say you're, you're playing right back this season. Yeah. You're, re- you're replacing a legend, the, the beast of Bells Hill, the white calf, who we called him. Mr. Sean Rooney, who you probably crossed paths with at St Johnston, did uh, yeah. did you speak to Sean at all before making the move? Did he give you any tips or any? Uh, maybe any I info? A, uh, maybe like a week or something. I was in training when there was the kind of interest, um, nothing set in stone or that, and he was just saying that I'd I'd love it up here and that, and that all the boys are good boys, and it's obviously it's not the same now because of COVID and that you're not allowed to go out and and do all these things and that. But he said everyone lives local, everyone's out out and about and that, so. And he said that I would enjoy training and that. He said it was great. Obviously, you know, you know Robbie Dees, who we obviously signed just a couple of months before yourself. Um, learning your career pass, obviously you played together in the 20s at Celtic. Um, what do you remember those days playing with Robbie? Was it a, I mean, I think it's, it's also it's a, it's a great upbringing playing at Celtic, but I'd imagine the, the demands and the pressures pretty hard on yourselves as well. So how was it coming through at Celtic? Um, it was decent. I, I enjoyed it. Um, there was obviously a few bad bad spells and whatnot, but I mean overall you've got to look back and say like you were playing in teams that were that were winning the most weeks. Um facilities are great, coaching, whatnot, the staff, you get you probably get pampered too much from a young age. And then the more you kinda get older and you move away and stuff, you realise that you were you were really lucky. But no, I enjoyed I enjoyed it overall and I I mean I've not got a bad word to say about them to be honest. Oh, good. So, mentioned before, you were thrown at deep end, obviously playing Hearts at Tynecastle not long after you signed. Three games in, Hearts, Cowdenbeath, and then the game against uh, 
they're firmly at the weekend. Um, how you found those matches so far? It's not been the easiest of starts, but how you um, found it personally? I found it quite tough because I well I signed, but when I signed, I was I was still injured, and then it was just obviously that hearts and that my first game back, and I mean they're going to be hard enough anyway. Never mind when you wouldn't say I wasn't fully fit. So mm-hmm. I mean I thought it was a good experience playing at Tynecastle as well. Um, they're a good team. They've signed some good boys in that for this level. Um, and I've enjoyed it. Just unlucky we've not had a win or anything to take from the games because I feel that we should have with some of the performances. I think I think having basically the League Cup to a pre-season, having the boys back a little bit later, that's, you can tell that, but I'd be a week or two off, obviously. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully come Saturday's game and the next couple of games we're back up full speed and we're getting some points. But, in the three games, obviously, you've not seen any fans. And uh, has it been weird seeing empty stadiums? Probably with no sports to cheer you and probably no sports to abuse you as well. So maybe a double-edged sword. But how weird has it been playing in these games? Um, it's strange, I because, I mean, when you go away from home and stuff, um, you kind of, you listen for the fans and obviously the old cliche, they're the, the 12th man or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, it's weird and you can... You never have a, a moment where you can't hear yourself think of that. It's just, it's silent. All you can hear is the gaffer shouting for the side or, or Kel shouting for the side and that. So you kind of give them the, the dinghy. So. <laughs> Pros and cons, I suppose, mate. Um, and then lastly, I mean, we, we know about the club's ambitions for the season. Obviously, it's going to be difficult with Hearts, obviously, but I think our ambition is to be in the mix for the either Champions League or in the playoff sports. For you, have you got any personal goals, any any ambitions that you've set yourself, any targets for this season? Um, I've not said I'd set myself any targets, but I mean, I just want to play every game. I want to play as many games as I can. Mm-hmm. And along with that, if I'm playing right back, I mean, you look at obviously the modern day right backs now, it's it's all about getting balls at the box and assists and stuff. So, I mean, I would like to say I'd, I want a good amount of assists by the end of the season, which obviously I'll need to work on. But as a team, I would say, I mean, I don't think there's any reason why we can't challenge for, for the title. And if not title, then I would 100% like to see us in about the playoffs. No, definitely. I think, I think for us as fans, we're going to be a bit, be a bit spoiled the last couple of years. Also, we're up, up, up towards the top of the table most seasons. And uh, yeah, I think for us, that's where we want to be. But no, lastly, mate, um, thanks for popping on the pod. Um, enjoy this season. Hopefully, it's a successful one. And, uh, I appreciate yeah. that. Cheers, Steve. I'm on. Cheers, Wallace. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Good to hear him finish the interview by saying he wants to be right up there with the assists, Riley. Um, more closest into the box, something we definitely need in the team. Do you think that was part of the attraction for Robbo with this guy? A guy that can not just play fullback, but can play wingback, that can put balls in the box if that's what he can do? Yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's, he's looked promising from what I've seen, but it was also pretty surprising. And, and uh, I think Sub alluded to it before we'd done the recording that he can play centre back, which is another good option for us. Um, he, he said in an interview that he sees him, seen himself as a certain back, but he's pretty happy to play right back. And I think other people out with him have said that he's a good right back. But maybe looking long term, we could see him on the right of a three or a right of a two. And it's another option. And, and, yeah, uh, and should, should he be playing, you know, maybe, you know, come January, uh, should he be playing on the right of a three? Who, who do you foresee playing right back? Well, the God has to come back. I think <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's, the time's waiting for him. And yeah, uh, Sir Sean Rooney will return to the Highlands in January. Hopefully. <laughs> I think we'll have to mention that he did end up playing on the right of a three for the last uh, 
That's the right, last twenty minutes today when Lewis yeah. Hyde came on, and mm-hmm. maybe Lewis Hyde's our win- wing back, and mm-hmm. maybe yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's something that Robbo clearly likes in his players. You know, the ability to play in at least a couple of positions. You could argue most footballers should be able to do that anyway. Um, but you know, you got lights. You know, in the back, you've got Nakati who can play left back, centre back. Uh, these, you know, apparently can play um, left side as well. But I think definitely keep him in the centre. He seems to be the best centre back at the club. Brad Mackay, um, Wallace Duffy, right back, centre back as well. Um, obviously, the guys up front, um, you know, we, we've seen Mackay, McGregor, Story in the past have all kind of rotated in the various positions across the front. So having versatility in, in the squad is going to be very uh, important to Robbo, especially in this season, especially with all the injuries we're seeing as well. We, we need players who can, you know, kind of step into other players' shoes to, to fill gaps uh, when folk are injured. Bobby Dees is his best mate, played together at Celtic, they live together, so hopefully he settles in quickly and yeah, he's uh, a good addition to the squad. Ingress, what the hell? How you doing? No bars or sell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. Halloween is upon us. <laughs> Hello, let me do it. Halloween is upon us. The darkness falls early in eerie autumn as skeletons rattle their bones like Sean Welsh. Geysers don their Joe Chalmers scream masks and little children tell chilling tales of the dead-eyed Danny Stratford and the bloodied and brutal John Baird. The Nightmare Eleven returns. Already installed in their coffins in the startling straight partnership of Delirium Mad Danny Lopez and Pumpkin Zealot Felicitano Zushin with Claude Genoziating Genapka joining him in the middle of the graveyard. But what demon, what nightmarish creature of the dark nether realm will join them? Stay safe, my children, as Ross McKenzie contacts the netherworld and unleashes hell. So, um, Yogi, Yogi Hughes has had a lot of lockdown love on this podcast, uh, wholly, wholly deserved in my opinion. Uh, his revelations about uh, the way the contracts to Foreign and Raven were prioritised over new signings in the summer of 2015 um, were particularly shocking. But still, he does not get a pass from me on the signings he made with the resources that were made available to him that summer. Uh, so let's travel back wistfully to the 16th of July, 2015. A night when, as I told Martin McInnes the next day, I lost my jumper and my dignity. Um, It was a really exciting day, European football in Inverness, for the first, perhaps only time. Um, And in the starting lineup were three of Yogi's summer signings. One, Danny Lopez, um, was the first name on the Nightmare 11 team sheet. Um, Another, Owen Fon Williams, arguably cost us this game and would be a legitimate candidate for the goalie shirt in this team when it comes to that, I think. Um, but today, I'm picking on a midfielder who still gives me nightmares when I reflect on his 18 appearances in a Cali Thistle shirt. I am, of course, referring to Nathaniel Wedderburn, a player whose most distinguishing feature was his complete inability to look for a forward pass. Nat Wedderburn was the sultan of sterile possession, the prince of the pedestrian pointless sideways 10-yard pass. It was obvious that night against Astra what he was, but he played 90 minutes. And what did Yogi do for the second leg? He kept him in the lineup and dropped Ross Draper. 
Wedderburn uh, remained in the starting lineup for the league season opener at Motherwell, and that was when the penny dropped the Yogi. He was hooked after half an hour and was a bit part player um, until he could be offloaded to Dunfermline at the season's end. Um, his career trajectory since then has been nothing if not uh, consistently downwards. From Dunfermline, he dropped down to Wraith, and last season he fell out of the Airdrie team and starts the season at Dumbarton um, at the age of 29. So that's, 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 what, we, that, that's what we signed to play <laughs> in centre midfield in our, in our first European game, and he played the majority of the two legs. Also, you know, when we're talking about Nat Wedderburn, I think it would be remiss not to mention his appearance in one of those skills videos that we did, um, <laughs> where uh, he was filmed demonstrating the shoulder dip while uh, Liam Polworth and Miles Story stood in the tunnel behind him, ripping the piss out of him. Um, and in, in his description of the shoulder dip, Nat begins by saying, what you do is you run towards your opponent at pace. I can assure you, the only thing that Nat Wedderburn has moved towards at pace was part-time football. A sterling addition to the team, uh, I would say. It, it was a walking fridge freezer. I mean, the guy, he didn't look like a footballer, he didn't play like a footballer, and uh, yeah, that's why he's going down at least rapidly, as, uh, as Ross said. Nat Wedderburn, the latest addition to the Nightmare Eleven. What's the crap like? If there's one thing that's reliable in these uncertain times, it's both government's ability to crush hope, but other than that, it's the post. It's the mail. Posts used to be about bills, bank statements, flyers for greasy pizzas and kebabs, but no longer. In these COVID times, the mail is about online shopping, packages of hope from M&M Direct, classic football shirts and Next Directory, our lives lived online and delivered by the post. And so we turn to a man who exudes not just hope, but aspiration, as he dips his hand into his sweaty sack and pulls out a handful of affirmation. He's... He's going to read some tweets. Thanks, as always, for that disgusting intro. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, cheers, cheers to anyone who um, sent us some questions on Twitter and stuff. Really appreciate it, as always. Um, in no particular order, um, got questions from um, Connor Roden. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, what players do you think are going to be our um, star players this season? And, um, well, how long do we have Kai Kennedy for? We know we've got him until January. Maybe do you think he's going to get kept on maybe longer after that, do you think? It depends how he, how he performs, I think. With the loan situation, and I didn't really know this until I spoke to Scott Gardner, that obviously we need to pay a fee when, when, when we don't play him. So mm-hmm. it just depends on the performances. If he's not playing a lot um, or he gets injured, then I can't see him staying longer than January. But yeah, um, I've got high hopes for this kid. I think he's uh, he's a real deal. And uh, yeah, hope he gets in the team quickly. Dave, do you get the impression that uh, he's signed because he won't sign a new contract to Rangers and they basically want to put him in the shop window and get a bid in for him early in January? So in some ways, the better he does for us, the less likely we are to keep him. And yet, obviously, we need him to play. Is that, is that the sort of scenario? I think you're bang on. I think that's exactly why he's playing for us, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think given that he signed for us and it's a you know, short-term contract loan deal system and that he has been linked with you know bigger clubs and whatnot, I think the chances of him staying with us are very, very slim on two fronts. One, if he does really well, he's going to play for a better and bigger team. And two, if he doesn't do any well, then we're not going to want to keep him. So I think there's, the chances of him staying are slim to none. Fair enough. Um, what, about, what about standout players for us this season? I think Allardyce um, 
just because he's starting in such a composed way, you know, I mean, need that strength in the middle, he potentially could be. Can I throw in a wee outlier there? Ross is going to hate this. Todorov, possibly. He's on a run. He's on a run. He's scored, he scored in consecutive games. He might, like, he might miss five chances per game, you know, he might not do much elsewhere, but if he turns into the sort of player that converts one or two chances per game, then he could actually be a standout. But we saw enough of Sean Welsh, even when he wasn't that sharp, to know that we can play in a completely different way with him in the team. Dropping deep to pick up the ball, always available. Um, to take the ball and it, no matter where he is on the pitch and that just that just gives us so many different options um, even if you know his long passing has been off in those early games but it just gives us a completely new dimension hey, Mark Rogers, I think he made a, a something we've not talked about him on his pod at all he we wouldn't have come away with any points today at all if he hasn't made that save in the last five minutes yeah. I think he's going to be uh, we've actually said this before <coughs> we brought it up in the preview pod he's going to be match winner He's going to be the guy that gets probably single-handedly, you know, the most points for us this season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really important, and he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And if we keep Doran fit this season, and I think story the way he started, if he comes back like the way he started this season, I think both of those guys will be a massive player for us. Yeah, when you talk about you, you know, you talk about Doran and Story coming back, and we've got such a good goalkeeper. You know, we were sort of doomsayers halfway through the pod talking about you know being around the bottom of the table and whatnot. But these these are top players. These are some of the best players in the division and their experience. So once they do come back, we'll be absolutely fine. Um, one from um, Ross P. Um, the long-forgotten Wraith the Inverness Cali Thistle Challenge Cup final was apparently tentatively penciled in for, I think it was like the 21st or 22nd of November with a venue to be confirmed. Um, which stadium do you hope will host that game? Let, let, let's just pretend it is going ahead. So, well, what, what, what both clubs have, have said they're on the same page on this and that it won't be played unless there's fans at it. If magically fans are allowed to go to a game before... So, so yeah, well, we're imagining it's going to be played. It's not McDermott. going to be played. McDermott, it's, it's, a, it's, it's perfect for McDermott, as always. No? Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll go ahead at all. I think, I think we'll scrap it because, as you said, it won't play without fans. Jack Wannington, um, are we going to escape the League Cup group stages? No. No. But looking at previous years, especially the years under Robbo, the best runners up that have gone through the four best runners up have had at least nine, maybe ten points. Um, although last year a few teams did go through with eight. Given that the current best place runners up have six points already and we've got one, two, two. I, I, I'd, I'd say we're out already. Um, so kind of going back to the injury theme um, from at Craig McLean, uh, do you think it was a mistake that the squad returned to training so late considering the number of players who have picked up injuries during matches, which could potentially be attributed to lack of fitness? Obviously, it's something that a lot of football teams are dealing with, but have we maybe come back a bit too late? Yeah, I think so. Um that's not to just be kind of a knee-jerk critical of the club, you know, to suspect that they probably had an awful lot to weigh up at the time you know, in terms of financial options. You know, they probably didn't take any decisions lightly. And um, they must have kind of thought, well, if we have this extra two weeks off, does that save us X amount of money in terms of staffing and testing and all this sort of stuff, you know? Um, what I'd like to know is whether they actually took on board as seriously as they might have done that sort of that risk of injury to players by trying to do too much too soon. You know, they obviously must have known that um, we were going to be at a disadvantage in terms of match fitness and training and actually getting the squad together. But did they actually seriously consider that? Because in the long term, if we've lost six to seven players primarily through um, 
injuries that could have been avoided had we been fitter going into the first game, then that could actually financially disadvantage us far more than those two weeks could, you know. So it does feel like a mistake, you know. Maybe maybe I'm 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 talking nonsense, but it does it doesn't sound good and it doesn't look good. Firstly, I think we know that we came back at least ten days later than every other team in the league. How much did we save doing that? Um, surely not very much money. What, I mean, wh- why could Queen of the South afford to come back, but we couldn't? Because they had um, no players to pay. So the, we've heard repeatedly, "Oh, we're going to use the League Cup games as preseason games." Anybody that's watched these League Cup games can see they're not preseason games; they're competitive games. Cowdenbeath, you know, played it, you know, robustly as a physical competitive game, as did Hearts. And it's not surprise. And and our own players responded as if they were competitive games. And it's not surprising yeah. that we got so muscle injuries. Just... And we wouldn't, wouldn't have necessarily got those muscle injuries in friendlies, but we got them in competitive games. Well, the fact I is, look... we weren't able to play friendlies, though. because well, you know... That's never been really raised properly. I know we had to play Elgin twice, but is that right? Well, there, was num- well, there was a number of friendlies set up that were cancelled. We were supposed to play St Johnston. And that was kind of... Ah, because, too far away geographically. Because lo and behold, some... some uh, New, new rule came into being two days before the game or something and they had to cancel it. What a surprise. So, the county not have a game against Hibs cancelled on day, didn't they? We're, counting, well, we're down the road and they had to turn back. I think we had a game against County as well and that didn't happen for one reason or another. I don't know why. We we'll had a game lined up against Motherwell and that was kiboshed by the government. That's so. right. And one against Motherwell as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Robo, Robo was essentially, his hand is forced by the restrictions on the club and the restrictions made by the government that he, he had to use these games as friendly so no other reason for it. Should we come? Should we have come back a bit earlier? You know, yeah, probably. Given that, given that we haven't had enough games in which the players to get fit and to allow them to have little knocks and strains and things. But the thing is, we had these games set up. Then we've been okay for the league games, but it's sort of taken out their hands a bit. To be honest, I don't think it's any fault of the club. Really, you could have come back a little bit earlier. But Scott Bambi, um, basically, if you could sign one player from another Championship club outside of Hearts um, right now, who would it be and why? So there's anyone from like I don't know Air or Dundee or Alloy. You and Murray, you and Murray straight away. I mentioned him already, but a leader at the back, a massive threat from set pieces. It's exactly what we need. I was I was saying Manny Duku. I think he scored uh, twenty goals already this season. So yeah. <laughs> I take Ricky and Hendry. I think the boy makes things happen, and I think Duku's goals are a large part to play because of his playmaker skills. Um, I think the obvious one's Kevin O'Hara, uh, Dunfermline. Uh, what about if, if, if Riley... Oh, yeah, so obviously a person that turned us down for more money at Queen's Park. Yeah, Simon Murray, I would take him in a heartbeat, but yeah, let's move on from that one. <laughs> that exclusive never happened. <laughs> um, and injuries was um topic for a question from uh, Ballistic Sheriff. Um, given the season is obviously a lot shorter this, this year, um, and injuries already are kind of taking their toll. We also have some players that historically have struggled with injury, quite a small uh, squad to fill the gaps. Um, he's basically looking for you to restore his hopes in the season and specifically mentioning Riley and Moff. So go on then, guys. Away any fears that um, Ballistic Sheriff has with regards to injuries in the team. Do you know what? It's spine of our team is fine. I mean, on paper, from goalkeeper to striker, it's decent, you know. I've got a few, a few additions here and there, but yeah, it's 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 going to be dependent on injuries. If we can get these guys back quickly, um, start getting a bit of continuity in the team, we'll be all right. I, I don't think we'll we'll go up. I don't I don't think we're in the playoffs this year. I think this is a consolidation season for us, and I think some people at the club may think the same, but don't want to talk about it as we spoke earlier. I think if we get the right type of players in, the right template, with a few additions next year, will be decent. Um, 
So hope that makes you a little bit less gloomy, Mr. Do you know, do you know what? See, see when we started the pod, I, I was I know we you know, given that we did get a point today, it was it wasn't a bad performance. We could have won the game, we could have lost the game. But you know, I was a little bit down. But then going through the pods just now and, and, and talking about the players that are out and talking about when they come back and talking about the positivity that surrounds young players coming through and the, and the good performances they've put in so far and the good performances that they've all put in in games down the line. And they'll put in some bad ones as well. But the fact that they're playing, that's positive in itself. So you put all these things together, you marry all these things together with Doran and Story coming back and Toshin's a good player, you know, and the change in shape today. I, I don't think we can underestimate, you know, the change in shape today, the change in system. Um, it's brilliant to see Robo doing that, to see Kel doing that. And I think that you marry all these things together. You are looking at a bit of positivity, but you have to you have to combine that positivity with a bit of, bit of realism as well. Mm. And I think we've talked about what realism means, and realism might mean fifth. And you know what? That's good. That's fine. At the end of the day, we're not at the games anyway. So let's go back next season when you know, we can actually win a league, and um, well, we can all go to the games and enjoy it. For McDonald, up the castle, Liverness men, Weegee's hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Judas City, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Molly Story, Strap yourselves in because it's competition time. Insert dramatic music. There will be some dramatic music. That's right. It's competition time. We'll not do it again. Two's enough, isn't it? Someone right now is going to win Cali Thistle captain Sean Welsh's match-worn shirt. Riley, has it been washed? Is, is it still humming? In the bottom of my cupboard, and uh, yeah, it's unwashed, so you'll get the authentic smell of Sean delivered straight to your door. Right, well, for those of you who don't get off on the smell of Raljex, um, we can also now reveal that Sean has agreed to sign the shirt. Uh, but due to social distancing measures, he's going to have to do this with a selfie stick, uh, a big biro and some sellotape. We're now going to reveal who the winner is. Um, Andrew Sutherland has um, he's printed off all the entries. He's cut them up. He's put them in a... He's, he's, he's emptied his mailbag and then he's put all the entries <laughs> in the mailbag and he's about to rummage around. And he's going to rummage around and he's going to pull out the winner. So the winner of the signed... Much more. A, little bit, a little bit more gravitas, a little bit more effort. <laughs> what, what I actually want to say was, I actually went for the modern thing of, I just went into Google Retweet Picker and just did that. Just that doesn't continue. work for me. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, get your hands on your sweaty bag. Do you want me to rustle paper? I want you to rustle some paper. I want you to do, I want you, I want you to... You're making someone's Christmas here, so this is someone's dream prize. <laughs> I want you to channel X Factor. Oh, yeah, a little, po- a little pause there, you know. Ah, exactly, <laughs> Riley. Riley, 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 knows, Riley knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> so the winner of the signed, match-worn, authentic Sean Welsh, Captain of Inverness Caledonian Thistle Football Club shirt is... At Lee ICTFC. Well done, mate. So, um, well done, mate. Lee, if you want to um, send us a message on Twitter, 
Uh, we'll get you details off you, and um, we'll we'll work out how to get this um, shirt. Do you, you know how many followers this chap's got? This person's got. Don't expose them for having I just want, followers on the bot. I just want to make sure it's not a Bulgarian bot. Or a <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, you know, and if Mr. Nikolai Todorov is waiting, then Aye. your trophy will be in the post very it's soon. It's either one of Bulgaria or it's going to Billy White's house, so um, one of the two. Okay, that's all from us for our first proper pod of the bizarre mutation that is the 2021 season. Thanks to everybody for listening. Do get in touch with any of your life-affirming comments and just don't get in touch at all if you don't have any. Quick thanks to Jamie Scott, uh, musician Jamie Scott, for his cover of Bring It On Home that we used for our recent short film and to Scottish Drone Services for the amazing footage that they, they kindly supplied. supplied. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, it's pinned to all of our social media channels. We'll be back in a few weeks with our second main pod of the season and maybe a few bonus pods in between. So until then, it's bye from them. And it's bye from me. Unlike the players, we are all off to get a lovely shower. Okay, take care of yourselves and each other and bye for now. Yep, yep. Matt Wedderburn was the sultan of sterile possession, the prince of the... Oh, fuck. You need to cut that. <laughs> no, no, you need to go. Well, you need to cut because I stumbled. No, 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 you ready? <laughs> no, 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 no. What was that? <laughs> he cracked, he cracked a fart out there. <laughs> right. That's staying in. No, not Wedderburn was the Sultan of Stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep.